guys god bless you guys welcome to swerve church once again hope everybody's having a great sunday so far it's a little chilly but yet a beautiful day this is the day the lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it amen i'm just so glad that you guys could make it today to spend some time with us and to really to dig into god's word before i get in i just want to start off today by reading a couple verses and then we're going to dig into these scriptures okay so if you have your message notes please take them out you can follow along those are for you to write in to keep Take all the notes that you need, bring that home with you, and spend some time in prayer over the verses that we're going to be reading today. So we're going to open up today by just reading four verses out of Daniel chapter 1. And you have it there in your notes, so you can follow along, and I'm going to read along with you. Here's what it says. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, <coughs> came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his official courts, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So we just read the first four verses of Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to be talking about that in just a second. But man, this has definitely been one of the most controversial elections in all of history, hasn't it been? You know, some people are elated, rejoicing, they're super happy. You know, others are scared, you know. <clears throat> and you see all the protests that are beginning to happen, you know, all over the U.S. One of the Facebook videos that I saw this week shows supporters of Hillary, they were crying. They were literally in tears as they saw the polls, you know, as they saw her chance of winning the election dwindling away. And, and it seems like they weren't just crying because their candidate was losing. It was more like they were fearful of what was going to happen to their country. But last Sunday, we kicked off a new series called Under God, right? This brand new series that we've been looking at the Pledge of Allegiance as a jumping off point for our topic, for what we're talking about. And you guys know the Pledge of Allegiance. Here's what it says. It says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <clears throat> and we've been looking at these four, the last four parts of the Pledge of Allegiance being one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And last week we launched the series, you know, talking about being one nation. And we said that our primary loyalty is not to a political country, is not to a political candidate, it's not even to our country. Our primary loyalty is to the king that is above all kings, Jesus Christ. That's how our primary loyalty, that's who it belongs to. And, and we talked about that we are ambassadors. 
right? We are ambassadors sent from heaven to make a difference here on earth, right? We spoke about living our lives in such a way that it brings glory to Jesus, living our lives in such a way that when people around us, when your neighbors see you, they say, wow, there, there's something different here about this person. Maybe they don't believe the God that you believe. They don't read the same. They don't read your Bible and they don't believe all the Jesus stuff. But there's no question when they look at the way you live that God has made a difference in your life. And so we spoke about that. We don't represent ourselves. Who do we represent, guys? We represent Christ in all that we do. We represent Christ. Next week, we're going to be looking at indivisible. And one of the things that this year's election has done, if it's done anything, it's, it's been successful in doing this, in, in causing a mass division. There's been division all across the U.S. You know, but moving forward, you know, we want to learn how we can stand united and work together. You know, not only as a country, but what about the capital C church? Even amongst the capital C church, there's been lots of differences and lots of division, right? And, and lack of unity. So moving forward, how can we stand united? How can we be indivisible? How can we work together? After all, you guys have heard it said, it's straight out of God's word. It says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so we need to learn how to work together. And that's what we'll be talking about this week. I mean, next week, I'm sorry. But today I want to answer this question. How can we, as followers of Jesus Christ, live under God in an increasingly hostile culture? And to help me today with this, I need you guys to track with me and to, and to provide some feedback. All right? I need, I need you to follow along there in your notes. It's really going to help me. Because before we can answer this question, we really need to self-examine. And we need to self-reflect. And we need to answer this question. The question is, are you more under culture or are you more under God? And when we talk about being under culture and under God, I'm talking about the influence. Are you more under the influence of God or are you more under the influence of this culture? And so to answer this, I created a scale in your notes. You guys see that scale? And I want you guys to be honest with yourselves, okay? And I want you to look at that scale and I want you to rate yourself if you're more influenced by culture or if you're more influenced by God. Now I'm going to give you some categories that I want you guys to think about, okay? I'm going to give you some categories for where you could circle. And every time I say a category, circle where do you think you fall on that scale. Okay, you guys tracking? All right, and don't worry, this isn't a test. I'm not going to ask you to pass it to the front. You're not going to get a, a quiz grade or, or anything like that. This is for you, okay? And uh, so you don't have to worry about it. It's, it's an open book test. The open book is your life, okay? And you're going to look at it. You're going to examine and self-reflect. And then you're going you're gonna to think. This is just really meant to be a simple tool in order to self-evaluate. Are you guys with me? Okay? All right, so where, what are you under? Under culture, under God. Think about this category. How about in the category of entertainment? When it comes to what you watch on TV, when it comes to what movies you go see, you know, what you listen to, you know, what you put in these earbuds, or what books or magazines you read, would you say that you're always influenced by God when you make a decision to what you're going to watch, see, or read? You know, for example, you know, the, this song that I'm listening to, man, it's pleasing to God, the lyrics. You know, I know God is getting pleased by these lyrics. This movie that I'm watching is pleasing to God. The content that I'm consuming through social media or Facebook or whatever, you know, all this content that I'm consuming, it's pleasing to God. Or would you say, you know, you don't really pay it any thought. 
you, you kind of consume whatever is popular, you know, whatever everybody else is watching, whatever everybody else is reading. You kind of just consume those things. And whatever else is watching, you know, there's so much stuff out there. After all, you know, who really has time to figure out if this is pleasing to God or not? You know, so, so where do you fall? Are you more under God or more under culture? How about this category, okay? How about the category of money? How about when it comes to your money? Would you say that the way you view your money is, man, is it more under God or under culture? Do you view your money as, this? these are resources that God has given me to steward, to be a good manager of, of God's resources? You know, do you view yourself as a steward? Do you decide to live irrationally generous, you know, giving to the church or giving to people that are in need? You know, do you consider yourself, you know, generous and a good steward of God's resources? Or... Would you say you're a little bit more on the culture? You know, and what does culture say? Buy more stuff, accumulate more things, get into debt, maximize all your credit cards, right? More is better, more is better, right? And you get into debt because of financial decisions. You consume everything that comes along. You live, you live well beyond your means. You know, so, so what, you know, would you say when it comes to the topic of your money, are you more on the God? Are you more on the culture? Circle somewhere on that. On that line. How about this? What about with your words? When you look at your words, think about the words you said this week, okay? Just think about the conversations you had, the phone calls. Think about the words that you used this week. You know, would you say that your words were more under God? You know, were they were they encouraging words? You know, were they uplifting words? Were they, you know, inspiring to someone who needed inspiration at the moment? Were they words of blessing? You know, there was no cursing, there was no gossiping about somebody else and bad-mouthing and, and, and none of that. You know, they, they were God-honoring in every way. Or when you look at your words, would you say, oh, come on, Daniel, are you, are you serious? Everybody lets out a bad word every now and then. After all, there's always some dummy causing traffic, you know, down Nickelbacker Avenue. And everyone belittles everyone else and everybody gossips about everybody else. You can't expect, you know, to be positive all the time, right? So, so when you look at your words... Would you say, are they more under God or more under culture? Here's the last category, because I could probably do this all day. You know, but when it comes to time, would you say the, the way you use your time, is it more under God or is it more under culture? Would you say that you realize, like what God's word says, that your life is a mist? You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. You know, would you say you spent more time, you know, have you spent more time with your face in God's book than you had in Facebook? Right? Did you maximize your time with God's people and community? Being, being together with God's people, encouraging or, or with your family, you know, investing in those relationships that truly matter, those relationships that are, that hold you accountable. You know, or would you say, hey, man, nobody has, really has time for all that. Now, that's good stuff. You know, spending time with God's people and, and His Word and prayer, but who has time for that? You know, we live in New York City. We're busy all the time. There's really no time to do all that stuff. You know, God's word, God's people, prayer. I don't really have time for that. That takes a lot of work. You know, there, there's my life. There's my agenda. There's my schedule. Right? You, you try to get to church when you can or you try to get in community when you can. But who really has time for all that? When you examine how you spend your time, would you say, are you more under God or more under culture? Okay, I'm going to stop because I can keep going on. And I don't mean to, to push anybody down or bully you. But I just want to, I want you to think for a second, okay? I want you to think. To, you know, the, the, because here's the truth. The truth of the matter is that you may not even be able to diagnose yourself. 
You might not even be able to diagnose yourself. Think about this for a moment. Have you guys ever known somebody who was under the influence of drugs or alcohol? Right? Have you ever guys seen somebody who's really drunk or really high? When, they, when they're other than, under the influence, they're, they're unable to think properly. Right? They can't think correctly. They, things start to appear and look different uh, to them. Everyone around them begins to look great. And if they're under the influence, they look at the mirror and they say, wow, I'm a sexy guy, right? Because they're, cause they're drunk and they don't, you know, even they start to look good when they're, when they're drunk. Right? And they begin to look at other people and they just, they don't know where they are. But most importantly, when they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol, they don't know that they're under the influence of drugs or alcohol, right? Hey, dude, you're drunk. No, no, no way. Just give me another one. I'm not, right? But basically, when they're under the influence, it alters their perception. And it changes the way they think. It changes the way they speak. It changes even who they find attractive. You, you guys agree with me? You guys know what I'm you guys tracking? You know what I'm saying? Things do not seem clear to them because they're under the influence. And when someone is under the influence of alcohol, they don't realize that they're under the influence. Now, might I say that perhaps it may be difficult for you to see some of these things in your own life because you've been under the influence of culture for too long. Could, could I say, that it might be difficult for me to self-diagnose myself because I've just been under the influence of culture for, for too long. And it's difficult to see it in the mirror. What if we've been so intoxicated by culture so much that we don't even realize how much it's drifted us away from God? Today I want to talk about Daniel. Those first four verses... Verses that we read in the beginning. It talks about Daniel, who has a great name, by the way. Daniel found himself right in the middle of, of what we read earlier. He's right in the middle of these first four verses. His hometown is taken over by King Nebuchadnezzar, who, who decides to choose the best and the brightest. He, he, he picks the pick of the litter. And he says, bring those, bring those guys to me because I want them to serve at the palace. And Daniel is one of those that were chosen among those, the, the best and the brightest guys. And here is what, here's his game plan. Here's what he wants to do. You have it there in your notes. It's, uh, it's Daniel chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says this, Ashpenaz, who was the chief, the, chief, uh, the chief of court officials, if you guys remember, was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. So, so notice what they're going to do here, guys. They take the best and the brightest, and among that is Daniel and some of his friends, and they were going to change their native language. They were going to change the, what they spoke. They, they, they were going to change their education, and they were going to indoctrinate them with with Babylonian thoughts and theology. And if you continue to, to read later on, you're going to see that they're even going to change his name. Daniel was no longer going to be Daniel. They were going to change even his name. These, these names were going to reflect the pagan gods that the Babylonians worship. And they were also going to change their diet. They were going to change their food. And the food that they were going to give them was food that was consisted of uh, a food that was being sacrificed to, to Babylonian pagan gods. So, so what were they going to do? They were going to change the way they thought, the way they spoke, what they ate. You were going to change everything. And this is exactly what our spiritual enemy wants from each and every single one of us. 
This is exactly what he wants. If he can get culture to influence how we think, the way the Babylonians were going to influence the culture upon Daniel and the best and the brightest and his friends, then if he can get culture to influence how we think, then he can, he can influence what we believe, and then he can influence how we behave. Think, believe, behave. Think, believe, behave. If he can influence your thoughts, if he can influence what you believe, if he can indoctrinate you with, with wrong belief, then he can change what you do. He can change your behavior. Think, believe, behave. And this is exactly what they were doing to Daniel and his friends during, the during this time while they were overtaking uh, their city. Our spiritual enemy, guys, you need to know this, is that he's doing everything within his power in order to change what we think, what we believe, so that he knows if he can do that, then he could change how we behave. And, they, and there's all out, it's an all-out attack on each and every single one of us. But this is, I'm going to hit this over the head, guys. This is why it's so important for me to tell you, to tell you this, that you cannot be a halfway follower of Jesus. There's an all-out attack on each and every single one of us. You cannot simply be a passive follower of Jesus. You know, so many people have been deceived into thinking that they can have some kind of complacent, nonchalant relationship with Jesus. And it's what we've been talking about in our life groups, right? During the week, we've been talking about uh, Christian atheists. It's, it, that's what Craig Rochelle calls a Christian atheist. It's when you believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist. And that's what we've been talking about in our life groups. And, and so many people are living like this. They, they believe in God, they believe in the Bible, they believe in Jesus, but it doesn't have an ounce of an effect on how they live. And there's so much more to this walk of faith, guys. There's so much, there's so much more, and you're missing out. If this is how you're living your life, you're simply missing out. If you think you can reduce your relationship to God, to attending church, you know, every so often, or, or, or not really getting plugged into God, or not really looking for God, or not really praying, or not really getting into God's Word, then you're missing out on so much. And as a church, as a church, we want to come alongside you. We, we want to come alongside you. You guys get that? We want to equip you. We want to help you take your next step in your walk with Christ. And that's why our mission here at the church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. You know, as a church, we want to help equip you to grow out of a complacent relationship with Jesus into a thriving, growing, maturing faith. The last thing that, that our community needs is just a more nonchalant, come-as-they-come kind of form of a cultural Christianity. We need authentic people that are following Jesus and giving their lives to Him. And because we want to live authentic Christian lives, we cannot grow in our walk with Christ by simply, you know, investing an hour on a Sunday every so often, you know, or because think about this. Try applying that to any, part, any other part of your life. If you wanted to be fit, right? Like if you want to be, if you want to be fit, you know, obviously that's not me, but if you did want to be, you know, if you did want to be fit, can, can you imagine, you know what, I, I want to be fit. So you know what I'm going to do? Once a month, I'm going to eat a salad. And you know what? Every three weeks, I'm going to go to the gym for one hour. What kind of body do you guys think you're going to have? Don't point fingers. That's not nice. Okay? So if, if, that's, your, if that's the way you think about that, how about this? I, I, want a, I want a phenomenal relationship with my wife. We just celebrated 11 years married together, my wife and I. And so 
I want a phenomenal wife. So every three weeks, you know, every three weeks or so, I'll, I'll tell her, honey, I love you. I'll see you in three weeks, sweetheart. And then I, I walk out the door. And she doesn't know where I go. She doesn't know what I do. And three weeks later, hey, I'm back. I love you so much. And I want such a great relationship with you. I'll see you in four weeks. And then you just walk out the door. Where, where else does that line of reasoning function? Where else does that work? Nowhere, right? But so often we want to apply this logic to our spiritual lives. God, I love you. God, you're everything to me. I'm going to read the Bible for 10 minutes today. I'll see you next month. Where else does that apply? Nowhere else, guys. But that's why, as a church, you know, this is really not meant to, to beat you up in any sense of anything. It beats me up as I prepare this, okay? So don't take it that way. But as a church, this is why we created space this semester to do life groups. That's why, because it's so important. You are never meant to do life alone. And growth best happens in the context of community, where we can hold each other accountable. We can pray for each other. We can encourage each other. We can eat with one another. We can spend time together. And, and we need to be intentional about that, right? And listen, we're planting a church, and it takes a lot. We have lots of outreaches and lots of things to do. And, you know, this life group thing was kind of like on the back of the radar, like on the back of my mind. They didn't really want to do this. But it's so important. It's so important. So, you know what? Let's dedicate six weeks to doing this life group so that we can spend time together in community, invite people into community, build those relationships, hold each other accountable, pray for one another, encourage one another, because it's so, so important. And today, that might be your next step. In fact, if you have, take out those connection cards that you came with in the back, there's two weeks left of life groups in, in this semester. Take out that connection card in the back. One of the next steps is sign me up for the life group. I want to go. And you can check that out. You can fill it out. There's two to choose from. There's one in Bushwick. There's one here in Bushwick. And there's one in Park Slope. Put it in the comments that you want to go this, this Tuesday. You want to you wanna do life. That's your next step today. Here's another thing you can do. You can begin reading the Under God Bible reading plan. Now, I hope everybody here has the Bible app on your phone. If you don't, it's super easy to download. It's free. You can have the Bible in multiple translations right on your smartphone or, or your iPad. And, and, and there's something called Bible reading plans. And, and I would love for you to take this next step if this is you. And, and it'll help you just, just a little bit to engage in God's Word daily. And to open up God's Word, you open up the... This under God reading plan, it has to do with what we're talking about here on Sundays. And you just read a little bit of God's word. You read the devotional, spend some time to pray over what you're reading. And it's super, super important, you know, because we really want to have God's word embedded into our heart. And this is another way that, that you can take that next step. You know what else? As a church, we're constantly seeking out ways to love and serve our community. Now, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to serve our community. And we're always seeking out opportunities to do that. And, and here's why. It, it, it allows the neighbors, you know, to, to see God's love, right? It allows our neighbors, it allows the community to see God's love in practical ways. But you know what it does for you when you serve in that capacity? For you, it provides an opportunity to be Jesus' hands and feet. And in fact, this Thanksgiving, we're going to do something... Uh, pretty crazy. We're partnering with a couple other organizations and we're going to go to Maria Hernandez Park. All right, they're going to be there all day. I'm going to be there half the day. You spend the morning, kind of half. And, and if you guys want to join me, 
You can. We're going to go out. We're going to feed the homeless people in the park on Thanksgiving morning. We're going to we're going to bring some hot chocolate. We're going to serve hot chocolate to the volunteers and to the homeless people that are there. And we're going to partner with these ministries and these churches to love and serve the people in our community. And if this is your next step, if this is what, what you want to get involved, then right on the back of your card, just put it right there. I want to be a part of that outreach. You can check it off, put it in the comments, and you can come. Maybe you just have an hour or two or three to, to give up. Then you can go ahead and do that and you can join us. We're always constantly trying to figure out ways that we can love and serve our community. And that might be your next step. That might be your next step. Now, these are all super practical ways, right? That, that we as a church have attempted to provide some next steps for each and every single one of you. Why? Because we want to journey alongside each other and help each other to live out this authentic Christian life. We want to walk and journey alongside each other to live out this Christian walk. Now, here's the thing. Let's, let's go back to Daniel, right? Daniel finds himself in this predicament. They're trying to change you know, his thoughts. They're trying to change what he believes so that they can change how he behaves. He finds himself in his predicament and he's forced to submit to the king's culture. But in particular, when it comes to the food, I want you guys to look at what Daniel says. It's there in your notes, verse 8. Look what it says. But Daniel resolved. Everybody say resolved. Resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. What did Daniel do? He resolved. He resolved not to defile himself. Daniel drew the line. Okay? He drew the line. When they changed his name... He didn't, he didn't really say much about it. But the moment that they asked him to defile himself with the food, and to defile God with the food that was being offered to the pagan gods of the Babylonians, Daniel said, you know what? Enough is enough. He said, I'm not going to take this anymore. You're asking me, all right, you want to change my name? Okay, whatever. But you, you're asking me to defile God. I'm not going to do that. And he drew the line. He said, enough is enough. And the question I want to ask you guys is, is, what do you need to resolve? The question I'm asking myself this week is, what do I need to resolve? Because likewise for us, to faithfully live under God in a culture often opposed to God, we need to have some predetermined resolutions. We, we need to draw the line okay, in the sand. We, we, got, we got to say, okay, enough is enough. And here's what I'm going to do to help you guys out. Uh, I'm going to share some of my own predetermined resolutions. And in your notes, you guys see the three blanks that are there? You guys can fill in whatever you wish you know, you're going to put. And obviously, there's probably going to be way more than three. But just to get you jump-started, there's three blanks there. You can fill it in. And, and the way we're looking at it is that we have some I wills and some I will nots. Okay? You guys tracking? So I'm, I'm going to share with you just some of mine. Okay? Now, my predetermined uh, my predetermined resolutions, by the way, this is not a, like a New Year's resolution. It's a little bit different. This is resolving, okay? Resolving not to get involved. So, so here's the resolve, okay? Here's my resolution, you know, for me. It is, this doesn't have to be yours. You guys understand? This is my, these are my predetermined resolutions. Here's mine. Number one is I will go to church. I will. This is a resolve for me. You know, I believe in the local church. I believe that the church is the hope of the world. You know, I understand that the church is not a building. The church is not a place. It's not a physical location. The church is a people that have been radically changed by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And, and those people on mission with the gospel to share, to share the love of Jesus with others. 
And that's why I invest my time, I invest my talent, I invest my treasure in the local church because I believe in the local church. And I reserve. Whenever the church is open, I'm there. And I'm going to be there. This is, listen, way before I was, you know, way before we planted Swerve Church, this is my resolve. I, if the church was there, if they needed something, I was there. It was a resolve that I have. I will go to church. Here's another one for me. Again, this, this might not be for you. My resolve is I will tithe. I'm going to give. I'm going to give generously. Because I believe that every good and perfect gift is from God. And He entrusts me to be a good steward of His resources. So I choose to return the first 10% to Him. Because I understand that it's more blessed to give than to what? Than to receive. All right? So I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give. This is a resolve for me. I will lead the way with a rational generosity because I truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. I'm going to give God my first and best because I know He's going to bless the rest. And so this is my resolve, okay? I will tithe. Here's an I will not. And, uh, and don't laugh at me, okay? But here's my I will not. You know, but I will not, I will not get drunk. I, I will not drink alcohol. This is my personal resolve. This is something that I have resolved not to do. Having a drink is not a sin, but getting drunk is. But here's what you may or may not know. I come from a long line of alcoholics. It's, it's in my blood. Like I have, you know, right? my uncle, it, you know, drug, with a lot of drug abuse in, in my family, lots of alcoholics in my family. And I've seen firsthand the harm that it can do, what drugs and alcohol can do. So I, I don't see a benefit from it. I don't see any way that it can help me or bring me or draw me closer to God. So my person, me, my personal resolve is I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to have alcohol because I, there's just no benefit in it for me. So what about you? Okay. I, I, gave, I gave you mine. I put it out there. What, what are yours? What are, you, what are your predetermined resolutions? For you, it might not be allowing certain things uh, to entertain you that do not contribute to your spiritual growth and your spiritual health. You know, maybe saying, I'm not going to watch that show. I'm not going to read that magazine because I know that it doesn't bring glory to God. It causes me to think other things that do not glorify God. You know, it may be making your time with God a priority, you know, in your day. You know, you're going to wake up before you check your Facebook feed. You're going to spend time with God in, in, the word, in His Word and in prayer. That might be your result. You're going to give Him your first and best. What is it for you? Listen, when the rest of culture is pulling you towards their direction, you submit to being under God. When the rest of culture is pulling you away and belittling your faith and belittling in who you believe and who radically changed and transformed your life, you're going to submit to being under God. Daniel resolved. He said, listen guys, you're not going to make me eat that food that was sacrificed to idols. I'm not going to do that. He resolved. What are your predetermined resolutions. Now, here's the next step that we can all take, and it's found in God's Word. You have it there in your notes. It's up here as well. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God, there goes under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God. Here's, what, here's the next step we can all take. Be humble and pray to God. And, and show him, God, would you show me areas in my life where it's being more influenced on the culture than it is being influenced by you? God, would you show me places in my life where, where they're not honoring you, the things that I do and the things that I watch and the things that I see? Lord, would you, would you reveal those things to me? Because I might, just, I might just be so influenced by culture that I don't even see it. 
Humble yourself under God. God, would you show me what, what areas in my life do I need to change? And in the back of, of your connection card, it says there's a couple next steps. Here, I pray, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's the next step that we can all take. It's to resist the pull of culture and submit your life to being under God. So would you guys, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's a next step you can take. Would you check that off? Say, man, I, I, don't, I want to resist the pull of culture. I want to submit my life to Him. I want to honor God in everything that I do. Check that off. And later on, when the offering buckets go around, you can just throw that in there. Just make sure your name and email address is there on the front. Because we want to pray with you during this week. If you're making that resolve, if you're making that resolution, then I want to make sure that we're praying together for that. Another next step might be for you to sign up for a life group with that Thanksgiving outreach. Check that off right there. And, and then last, if you haven't made Jesus, if you haven't been a father, if you, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, then that's the next step that you need to take. It's the most important step that you can take. Because God saw our influence of sin and He sent His only Son to live the perfect life, a sinless life, to die the death that we deserve. So the Bible says, whoever puts their faith in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so if you haven't made that decision today, then that's your next step. Check that off. Put it in the bucket. And we would love to pray with you and support you this week. Now, I, before I, I'm going to pray and I'm going to finish. But before I close, lest you thought that you, you heard, like, don't be a part of culture. You know, be sad. That's, listen, I'm not telling you to run away from culture. That's not what this message is about. It's about being under the influence of God and not under the influence of culture. Rather, you, you know where we're most effective? When we're authentic Christians living our lives on mission, influencing the culture, not allowing the culture to influence us. When you're out there as world changers, when you're out there loving and serving people, when you're out there sharing your faith, when you're out there sharing the hope of Jesus Christ to others, that's, that's when you're at your best, man. When you're influencing culture and not allowing, influence, not allowing culture to influence us. So, so I hope you didn't hear the message like, you know, ah, culture's scary, run away. That's not what it was at all. Rather, man, man, we, we, we worship the, 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 the creator. We worship the creator God. And he gives us creativity. And he gives us, we, we're made in his image and likeness. Therefore, man, we don't have to allow culture to influence us. We can shape and we can influence culture. Would you guys join me in praying? God, I just pray, Lord, as this topic is tough for sure, uh, Lord, especially because uh, for, for, I know for me, God, you know, just being so shaped and so influenced by culture, Lord, it's difficult to self-evaluate and identify, Lord, even what areas of my life are, are being influenced by culture and what areas in my life I'm, I'm genuinely trying to pursue you and please you, God. So that's why I, hum I humble myself, God, and I pray, God, that you would show those areas in my life, God, that it needs to be submitted to your reign and to your control and that I can submit those things to you, that I would be under God and not influenced under culture. Would you show those things to me? God, would you show those things to my brothers and my sisters that are here as a church, God? Would you show us the places in our church where it's being influenced under culture, not under God? Because, Lord, we want to we be influenced by you. We want to honor you. God, we want to live our lives in such a way that it brings you glory and it brings you honor. So, God, help us. Lord, even as we close out with life groups in the next couple of weeks, 
Help us to come together to resist the pull of culture, of isolation, of by, being by ourselves. Lord, may we pull that to the, to the side. May we be under God and may we do life in community, loving, serving, encouraging, praying, reading your word together, God, in community. Would you help us live that out? Father, may it be done all for your glory and for your honor. God, I thank you for what you're doing in and through each and every single one of our lives. We want to submit it to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.